All right. Hey, you know what? Let's pray. All right, let's do this real quick. God, I ask uh, as we kick off this conversation, as we open up your word, God, would you help us and guide us to truth? And God, would you use your truth and your Holy Spirit's presence that we believe is with us today? Would you help us to go to a whole new place with you? God, I believe that there are, that all of us, God, you have brought here today for a purpose. God, I pray that you would use your words, your scripture to guide us this morning into what you would have us uh, hear and see. God, maybe prick our hearts in some areas that you want to show us uh, that would guide us to some big steps of faith, maybe even some changes. God, I pray that you may even give some of us some answers that we're searching for this morning. God, we love you today. We thank you for allowing us to be together. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, how about that awesome band? They are good. Woo! A lot of fun this morning. Uh, we've had a great day. We are in a series called Let's Pray. This is our third week. And what we've been doing, we've been looking at this guy in the Bible. In the New Testament, his name was Paul. He was uh, one of the followers of Jesus. He didn't actually, uh, he wasn't there when Jesus was on this earth. He wasn't, so we don't say Paul is a disciple of Jesus. We actually call Paul uh, an apostle. So after Jesus resurrected from the dead, uh, there was a guy who came to know God in an extreme kind of way. We won't get into that this morning. But Paul is a writer of some of the New Testament. So essentially, God uh, breathed into Paul's mind and into Paul's pen what he would have him say to us. So Paul is one of the writers of the New Testament. And I want to tell you some things about how Paul prayed. So Paul had several places where he was praying for particular people in the Bible, praying uh, for particular groups. Even as Paul helped start churches, he's, he was praying for new believers and new, new hopeful followers of Christ. Uh, and when he would pray, oftentimes he would pray and he would say, so that. So uh, I guess a lot of us, when we're praying for particular things, we're saying, God, I'm going to pray this so that something like this would happen. And so Paul has several, several places in the New Testament where he prayed and it says, so that. So we pulled some of those out. And we've talked about those the last couple of weeks. I'm going to show you one today. Paul prayed so that. And let me read this in Philippians. And then I'm going to show you where we go with this so that conversation. De- deal? All right. So Philippians 1, chapter 1. It's in your uh, notes. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we've got notes. We'll have it up on screens. If you want to have a hard copy, which I love hard copies of the Bible, uh, flag us down. We've got a few outside. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And this is my prayer. Paul praying here. This is my prayer. Paul says that... Your love may abound, he's talking about God's love, that his love may abound more and more for us in knowledge and depth and insight. And here's the so that, and he does this several places, so that you may be able to discern what is, help me out, best, right? Now, how many of you guys have ever wanted to know an answer from God? You've prayed and said, God... I want to know what's best to do, and you fill in the blanks, right? Um, I, I think I have one of those every day because uh, I just don't want to blow it. I don't want to make, make a mistake. I don't want to mess it all up. And sometimes you have big decisions, and, you know, the bigger the decision, the longer you kind of, like, perseverate, you stress out over it. You're like, God, I just, if you just tell me what to do, I'll go do it, right? I say that all the time to God. I, I, there's about at least a, a, a half a dozen things on my radar that I got to make a decision about 
or sometimes I think I've got to be the sole decision maker out of this particular thing, and I got stressed out, and I'm like, God, help me, help me, help me. Well, oftentimes, God will get us to a place where we're ripe, where we're ready, not necessarily to answer that, but to take us to a whole, a whole other place. And let me tell you what that is this morning. I think there's a bigger part of knowing what God's best is for us. And let me, let me show you this in your notes today. I think the key to knowing what's best is knowing God. If you got your notes, you can fill in the blanks this morning. Even more than important than knowing what God would have you do in a certain, certain situation, and I know all of us have something we'd love to know and answer on, or maybe some why behind some of the struggle or a dilemma or a difficulty. We want to know, God, why? Why? What's going on? Even more so than that, I believe the, if I could give you one overarching truth that would guide us through this in, entire conversation this morning, this is it. The key to knowing what's best is knowing God. Now, up close and personal, just yesterday, I'm stressing out going, God, we, we canceled this event for the church. We were about to have this trunk or treat, and it's not raining. God, what's going on? I went shooting with a couple guys yesterday and took my son. In about an hour and a half of shoot time, I had, I had 27 texts. They were like, hey, you canceled this event. It ain't raining. You want to have it? And I'm going, man, we talked to a bunch of leaders this morning. We prayed about this thing. God, I thought we made the right decision. I mean, it's not raining. You know, lo and behold, it did rain. So I was like, Lord, thank you for making us not look like fools. But, but did, did, here's the thing. Did I know what was best? No. Did God know? Yes. Is that the point? Really, it's not the point. See, here's the thing. I think God is always leveraging a choice, a struggle, some tension, some prickly, tender spots in us to get us to a place of knowing more of Him. Maybe even not even having the answer being the biggest thing. God wants us to know Him. Um, let me give you a, a passage where we're going to go today and tell you why I've picked this passage. John chapter 10 is where, where I'm going to, where, where we're really going to jump into. And I'm going to unpack this pa- passage really almost word for word today. It's found in John chapter 10. And how this verse came to be very special to myself, my wife, is because we chose it to help my daughter, Allie, uh, about a year and a half ago, we are trying to figure out, like, where is she going to go to college? And up until that time, all those decisions about Allie's life had been made by her parents, right? I think God, God gives kids parents, and he imparts to them wisdom, right, and helps them make choices. But at some point, you kind of start doing this, and, and I know parents, you kind of like do this, and you're like, no, I got it back. Ah, you're, no, you're, I'm still in charge. You're not. No. And so we were like, Allie, you know what? We want you to have your own faith, you know, and we, Allie was already a believer. She's already a follower. But we, we're, we're at a stage now where you're going you're gonna to be thinking about college. We feel like we could help you make that decision. But we were kind of having this moment where, like, you know what? God has a plan for our daughter. We would love for God to help all of us know where he, want Allie, Allie, where he wants Allie to, Allie to go to school. But he can tell Allie. So we kind of had this moment where we kind of said, all right, Allie, you're going to get to choose your own college. Uh, we were like, oh, gosh, I hope she chooses the right one. But you've been in these shoes before. You've got to kind of let God do what he wants to do sometimes. So we, we were thinking, well, maybe we'll do a little reverse psychology here. Maybe we'll say, Allie, you choose your college, and she'll ask us for advice. And maybe we'll, have to, we'll get to help a little bit. 
But either way, we're going to let Allie choose her own college. And so we had this moment where we had, where we've had these moments all throughout her lifetime where we would sit her down and have these big moments where we'd take her out to dinner and, and tell her some big important thing about life. The, the one um, that we had that I can remember was probably when she was like 11, 12 years old. It was the big unpacking of, hey, this is the birds and the bees. Let me tell you about mom and dad and all this kind of stuff. And we, we've done this with every one of our kids and make this a big deal. We take them to dinner and we make this big presentation and tell you it's just God's wonderful gift, blah, 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 blah. And, and she's like, really, you guys have done that more than once? Yeah, we've done that more than once. And so we do all this stuff. So we make this a big deal. So we're about to roll out this whole alley you're going to get to choose your own, college, your own college and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, we sit her down after we've taken her, take her, take her to dinner. We take her to, you know, eat ice cream. And she's like, all right, now we've done this before. You've been setting this up. What is it that I don't know? I thought I kind of already knew everything. And so we kind of had a joke at that moment. We said, hey, you're adopted. <laughs> and, she, and, her, and we were just waiting to see what her response. And she was like, wait, for real? Really? For, that's Really cool. She thought it was really cool. We're like, no, we're just kidding you. That's, no, you're not adopted. But we thought it was kind of cool that she thought that was cool. So what we did was Allie gave her, and I didn't know what it was called in the first service, but someone said it was an origami, where you have, she, Christy made this, my wife's really creative. She used this verse I'm going to show you and wrote it down on one of these little things you put your fingers in and you can open it up and like, you know, open it up and unpack what's underneath this I don't even know if I can remember exactly what this thing looked like, but it was all these different words, and you could open it up, and it would kind of give her some direction about, Allie, as you're trying to seek God and know his plan for you, here's a great verse. And so a year and a half, we started using this verse for Allie as God would help her make some big life decisions before she'd make decisions on, like, marriage and, like, career this was kind of a start for like, you know, God can speak to our daughter. We've been making all the choices. Allie's going to start making her own choices, and we want her to know God's voice. And so this is where this verse really became real for my family because God did some really cool stuff. We felt like God has been guiding my daughter as she has been seeking him, and I want to show you this verse today. So if you got your Bible, find it. If not, we'll have it on screens. But John chapter 10, I'm going to read the verse for you, and then I'm going to unpack it really almost like, uh, statement or sentence by sentence, almost word by word, all right? So track with me here. John 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So we use this. Christy wrote this down and, like, gave it to Allie, and, and it's something she's kept with her. She thinks it's kind of cute. My parents gave us this. She probably didn't think it was very cool then. But it's been something special. So what we learned from this verse is, number one, and I, already, I shared this a minute ago, the key to knowing what's best is knowing God. All right? So let me unpack this verse as you look at how you make choices and how God wants to guide us to uh, having some knowledge about where we're headed. It, 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 it's really important, I think, for God to help us in that. But again, the greatest goal isn't what God can tell us or what answers we get, the greatest goal is really knowing God in all of our choices, right? Because all of the things God can do for us, all the ways God can guide us, ultimately lead us back to connecting further with Him, because God's relational. So let me unpack this verse to you. First thing is, my sheep, my sheep, all right? So this is, 
Actually, John writing this, but it's, it's essentially as Jesus wants us to see that he calls us our, his sheep. He, he wants us to be his sheep. He wants us to be his followers. He wants us to be uh, adopted into his family. So I would say in your notes, you've got this, you can jot this down. You first have to be his. In order to hear from God, you can't be like an orphan and really hear and understand your father if you're not really in the family. Now, some of you be like, what, what are you talking about? We're all God's creation. Yeah, we are. But essentially, if you're looking at, if you're here this morning and you want to hear from God, you got to ask the question, are you his? He might have created you. You're on this planet because he put you on this planet. But you, you may not be a follower. You may not be saved. Uh, you may not be his if you haven't decided and made a decision that you want to be his. So let me just pause for just one second and ask you, are you his? Great question. Uh, And I ask this because maybe you're at a place this morning where you have some tremendous weight on your shoulders right now. Maybe you're at a place where you're wrestling with some major decisions. And maybe just maybe God has you here this morning with that tension to help you recognize that you need to surrender and say, God, I want to be yours. And or I want, God, what you did on the cross uh, by taking away the sins of the world and forgiving all of mankind, I want that to count for me. Maybe that's where some of you are at today. So maybe in the course of this conversation today, some of you would say, you know what? I've never had a place that I know of in my life. I've known about God, but there's never been a moment in my life where I've said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Kind of what we say around here, we we have just adopted the language. It doesn't have to be any particular language, but we say, God, I want you to be the leader and forgiver of my life. Some of you, that might be your prayer today as your first step of knowing God and following God. So point is, when he says, my sheep, God wants all of us to be his. So the, the question is, are you his today? So the first point in this verse is, you, you've got to first be his, to hear his voice. All right, second uh, part of that verse. My sheep, they listen to my voice. In your notes, you have to be close to listen. Wouldn't you agree? In all relationships. You can't be way, 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 way away from somebody and actually know them. Uh, just uh, a couple weeks ago, my dad was in town. Um, and my dad raised our family on outdoors. I mean, my dad was a wild, fun, cool, crazy outdoors guy, and we did a lot of fun, crazy, really wild, crazy stuff that I grew up with in South Florida. I grew up, uh, my dad has a cabin in the middle of the Everglades. We would airboat out in the middle of the airbo- air, air, uh, into the Everglades. We'd dock the boat. We'd get on a swamp buggy and ride to this cabin in the middle of nowhere. My dad, when I was like seven years old, uh, would be driving this airboat and he'd be like sliding around everywhere on it and he'd say like grab the stick and he would jump off the boat on deer running through the the the, the bush and I'd be like seven years old like I'm driving the airboat I thought it was the coolest thing I'm like who wanted to hang out with anyone else like let's hang out with my dad he's really awesome and that's how I grew up so all my life we grew up doing a lot outdoors with my dad recently my dad was in town I'm taking my dad hunting we're walking through the woods, and my dad's 75, and, and I'm just a, I'm, I'm quite a bit younger, lots, like 50 years younger than him. And so my dad's 75. 
we're walking through the woods, and all of a sudden, like, I'm, I'm finding my sa- myself telling my dad, like, what to do. So he, we're about to go out in the woods, and he's, got, he's already made coffee, and he's got this big old cup of coffee. And I'm like, Dad, you, you can't be carrying the, the coffee out in the woods because, I mean, you're going to open it up. They're going to smell coffee. I've just soaked you down with, like, no-scent stuff, and you can't carry coffee. And he's like, for real? All right, drop the coffee. So we're walking through the woods, and I'm, shh, hey, there's a scrape up here. Don't touch the leaves. And I'm telling him, don't touch the leaves. And a little while later, he's like, stomping on stuff and crackling and making noise. I'm like, Dad, you got to be quiet. We're almost where we're going to sit down and we're all, you know. And he's like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second. He goes, hey, I'm old, but I'm not that old. The roles have not switched yet, boy. I'm still your daddy. And he's like, do you know who taught you everything that you just said? I'm like, yeah, you, but you got to do it, right? So we're having this fun conversation. And I'm going, I'm thinking about that this morning. I'm going, the, the reason I know what to say to my dad is because all my life I was near enough to him that he imparted all that stuff to me. And it was one of the greatest, I found out now, one of the greatest joys of my dad's life to have a son that enjoy the same things that he liked that he could pass that on to. And when it comes to like our heavenly father, he wants to pass on all the great stuff to you. You can't know what he wants to say or know who he is if you're not near him. The reason I know so much about how my dad thinks, I talk like my dad, I say things less like my dad, I think like my dad because I was with my dad. For years and years and years, I did so much with my dad. I'm, such a, I'm a product of my father. Sometimes not so good, right? Sometimes I'm like, ah, it sounds like my dad, but I'm a product. Why? Because I've been close to my dad. You're going to think like your father, You're going to sound like your father. You're going to make decisions like your father if you're being near your father. So, I mean, here we are. God, what's best? God, what's best? Paul's praying that we might know what's best. John says to know what's best essentially is to listen to his voice. First, you've got to be his. Second, you've got to listen to his voice. Now, how often when you're trying to hear God's voice are you talking? I'm a talker. In my house, I probably talk the most. Go figure. I'm the, I'm, I'm the extrovert in the, in the family more so than Christy. She's, she's borderline introvert, extrovert. You know, she's got to refuel by herself. I refuel with people. If I'm, I'm alone too long, I, I like get weird acting like I need somebody. I, you know, let me refuel by being around people. I'm the extrovert, so I'm talking the most. But the problem with extroverts always talking is we're not, <clears throat> what? Listening. I'm a great talker. I'm a very poor listener. That's why, that's why I'm not a good counselor. Please never let me counsel you. I'll hear two, two words of what you say. I'll make up my mind what I need to tell you, and I'll start talking. You, you'll be thinking, it's not what I'm asking, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm talking. So if we want to hear God's voice, we've got to listen for his voice. We've got to listen for his voice. Now, when it comes to listening for God's voice, my wife, man, she has got this down. It looks so nice and packaged how Christy hears God's voice. Christy opens up God's word. She reads God's word. God's word. God knows exactly. God knows Christy to a T because she's his daughter, and she's his her 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 father, right? Or you know, I just messed that up, but you know what I'm saying. So Christy knows God, and she can sit down and read her Bible and just walk away with like, all right, here's a verse. Um, I think this is what God's saying to me, and she can close her Bible and be like, I think I know what God's saying. 
And I'm like, how do you do that? It's just so complicated for me. And I never hear God's voice like Christy. And for years, I used to just beat myself up because my spiritual walk didn't look like my wife's spiritual walk. She's an extrovert. She's Christy. I'm an intro- I'm, I'm, she's the introvert. I'm the extrovert. I'm all over the place, as you can tell right now, even trying to give this message to you. Right? But here's what's cool. God knows me. He knows that me coming to him is so much different looking than Christy coming to him. I'm all over the place. I'm in my Bible. I'm talking to friends. I'm driving in my truck. I'm walking outdoors. I'm doing stuff. And God takes all that, adds it up, and, be, and, and then it's like, oh, I think this is what God's leading me to do or to understand or to know about him. But it looks very different. But here's the thing. We've got to first be his, and we've got to be close enough, and we've got to listen got to listen. God wants to talk to us. All through the New Testament, the Bible says, like in Hebrews, it says, and God said, and God said. Every, like, you know, like every statement in Hebrews, it starts with, and God said. All through the pages of Scripture, God is speaking to his kids. God wants us to know him. God wants us to know where we're going. It doesn't always tell us in our timing, but God wants us to ultimately know him. But we've got to listen to know God. Third thing is, so my sheep, listen to my voice, says, I know them. Now, here's what I love about God. And in your notes, I love this because it's on him, not you, not me. How many of you would say there's been a time in your life where you wanted to know God's direction, you wanted to know God's will, and then you probably got it wrong and made the wrong choice? Anybody like that? I know, uh, I know that's happened to me many times in my life. Uh, I But here's the cool thing. When it comes to God, God knows we would blow it. God knows we'd we'd make mistakes in sin. He knows we'd make mistakes in trying to figure out him. The greatest news that I've ever heard, it's on God, not me. Because if, if it's always on me to read God right, then somehow that makes me sovereign and not God. See, I believe wholeheartedly If I get off course, God will use my get off course to get me back on course. Even my own sin. Now, this is going to sound a little crazy. But even when I've blown it and I've made mistakes and I've had to backtrack and I've caused myself pain or some circumstantial, like I'm off course because look what I did. I was dumb. I shouldn't have done this. This was prideful. I misread. I did whatever. God will even use my mistakes to help me get where he wants me to go. Remember this, God is always God, and you are not. God is always God, and I am not. That's helpful for people who are prideful. People who are walking around trying to control everything, right, thinking, I'm stressed out because i got to make this decision. i got to make the right decision. Yeah, I applaud that. And I think God would like for us to try to make the very best decisions. But at the end of every best decision, it always goes back to knowing God knowing God. What does God want more for you? The right decision or you knowing him? So at the end of the day, all this goes back to, yes, let's try to be wise. God wants us to subscribe to knowing him to make wise decisions. But even when you get it wrong, you make mistakes, you flub it up, the good news is it's not on us, it's on him. Going back to, let's fall in love with Jesus. Let's place more of our trust in him, not in us. So if you blow, it's like, oh, the world doesn't fall apart because God's 
in control. It's in control of you. So, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them. That's God saying, I know you. Even when you mess up knowing me, I know you. The fourth is, and they follow me. In your notes, he's not going to give you what's next until you are doing what he's already told you to do. And they follow me, and they follow me. See, God wants us to follow him. Some of us, I think, sometimes we get started following him. Like, God, 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 I want to follow you, I want to follow you. And then we get distracted, and we start trying to do our own thing. Or we think, God, I want to follow you, but man, whatever you told me to do right here is a little difficult. That's going to take faith. I'm a little scared of following you. So here's the thing. Oftentimes, we get stuck on not following God because there's a roadblock or it's a little scary or it's a big, big faith step. So here's the thing. Most of us already know the good we should do. We just need to do what God's already told us to do. There are still things in my life that I'm trying to make right, that I'm trying to clean up, that I'm trying to have faith for doing that I already know to do. I really am. There's, a, there's, there's several things in my life right now that I know I should be doing that I've not yet gotten totally figured out. And it's either fear or it's pride. It's lack of faith. See, I, I, I really believe God is saying to many of us, I know you want to get down the road. I know you're hoping for this. But until you do A, I'm not going to show you B or C or D or E or F. There's a process for getting there. And maybe right now God wants you to grow a little bit in this area. Or maybe God's saying to you, hey, you're struggling here. I'm going to leave you there a little bit longer to grow you up. I know there's a process. I know I've got purpose. But maybe you've got to grow a little bit in this area. So God oftentimes will leave us places for a little bit longer than what we expect. Or there are times where God's saying, you need to keep following me. And you're, you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. So let's get this one down, work on this, and we'll continue to move forward. So an example of this is uh, you're, you're not going to lead. God's not going to lead you to the person that you're going to marry. Some of you guys are single. God's not going to lead you to the person that you're going to marry until you say no to some areas that you need to say no to in your life. Maybe you're in, in a wrong place, in a wrong relationship, and he, you know God's saying, no, this person's not right. Or maybe you're blowing it right now, and you, you, wanna, you want it fixed or solved, and God's saying, you know this is not right. I'm not going to take you to where you need to be till you go ahead and do what I've told you to do. Or maybe God's saying, not going to help you, not going to help you start this business or make this move in your business career until you're choosing integrity right where you're at. Um, recently, J.D. Um, started wrestling again. He's my 12-year-old. Uh, a couple years ago, he wrestled, did really, really well at it, but he loves basketball. For the last couple years, he's been running and pursuing basketball. Well, now he's in middle school, and his middle school coach heard he wrestled before and recruited him to wrestle. J.D. said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll make the wrestling team because I probably can't make the basketball team. No one ever makes it in sixth grade. So I'll, I'll build my strength and work on basketball skills and run and get in shape wrestling, and next year I'll, I'll go out for basketball. Well, he started out wrestling this season, and he already knows some of the moves, so he's, he's wanting the coach to teach him, like, all the really cool stuff. Like, all the really, like, awesome stuff you see on TV or if you watch YouTube videos about 
college wrestlers or whatever. He's like, I want to learn that. I want to know how to do that move. I want to be able to do that and, you know, all this kind of cool stuff. And so the coach recently told J.D., he said, uh, there are moves that I want you to learn first before you learn those other moves. Essentially, what I'm talking about today, God oftentimes wants to teach you something, grow you in an area right where you're at before he takes you to the next place. Point is, God has a plan. He's got a plan. And there's a process oftentimes to that plan. So it's up to us to say, God, you know what? I'm going to listen. I'm going I'm to keep following. I'm going to take that step of faith, and I'm going to trust that you have the plan. And I'm going to trust in your process. Next part of that verse is, I give them eternal life. This is, again, John's writing this. Jesus is saying this. This is what God's saying to us. I, I give you eternal life. We, didn't, we, don't, we don't give ourselves eternal life. It's a gift from God. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. In your notes, I love this. I believe this is a clear message for us that we can take comfort in the fact that our eternity is secure. It's not, I, don't, I don't give myself eternal security. It's not something I can acquire on my own. I don't believe it's something I can lose on my own. I believe it's a great message from God. We can take comfort in the fact that our eternity is secure. Uh, in terms of our everyday choices, you may feel like you're, you're in a uh, kind of unsecure place. Uh, maybe you're th- feeling like your next year may not be all secure for you. But I just want to remind you that your forever is. And if God can take care of your forever, maybe we need to open up and surrender a little bit and trust God for this year. If God can take care of your forever, he can take care of this year, right? If God can take care of your forever, I think we can trust God for the next five. If God can take care of the next forever in your life, I think you can trust him with the next 20, next 50. See, here's the thing. It always goes back to God wants us to know something about him, who he is, trusting in him. God wants us to trust in him. Take comfort in the fact that your eternity is secure. Last part of this verse is this. I love this. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Again, this is Jesus saying our, secure, our eternity is secure in him. In your notes, I love this. This is a good ending. You can't mess up God's plan. We, we've been talking about that throughout this message. It's God's plan for you. God's got a better plan for you than we ever could have for ourselves. He's got a great plan for you. In fact, it's designed for you based on how he made you. I used to think, I used to wrestle with this when I was younger. I used to think, but God, what, what about my plan for me? What, what about, you know, what I hope and want? And I, I never really realized that that really went hand in hand with what God wanted. Um, now, you, we, we, can, we, can, we can get sideways with God and, and, and lose sight of, you know, what God's best is for us, and we can get off course. But listen to this. God made you from birth to have special gifts and talents. And when you are playing to those strengths with God being in control of your life, I think God applauds when you're using your giftedness. I think God smiles when you're being at your best. Like, you know, there's just sometimes you're like, man, I just was so good at that. 
or I just felt so good at doing whatever I just did. Some of you guys, some of you are just so good at encouraging. I mean, and I, I know many of you are really good at encouraging because you will come by and say encouraging things to me at times. And you're like, man, that person, they are an encourager. When you're playing to your strengths, God's smiling in heaven because, because he made you to be gifted in that. God has a specific plan and a purpose for you, and he wants to leverage his plan for your life, and you be great at what he's called you to do. No one will snatch you out of my hand. So you can't mess up God's plan. Um, I remember there was a day that I, I really wanted to, uh, many years ago, uh, before I ever met Christy, I thought I was supposed to marry this girl named Melissa. Some of you guys have heard me share some funny stories about dressing up like Superman and bringing a bunch of people out in the woods and jumping down in this old abandoned cemetery and acting like I beat up everybody. This is college, okay? I know it was goofy. I beat up everybody. All these bad guys come in, and I was trying to impress this girl. I was head over heels with this girl, trying to steal her away from an engaged guy that lived somewhere else when she was not in college, and we were falling in love, and, and she ditched me. And I was like, I've never been ditched by a girl before. I was brokenhearted. I, I thought that was who I was supposed to be with. But I would have never met Christy. I'd have never met Christy. I had to trust that God knew what was better. I had to say, okay, God, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to follow you in this. I'm going to get to know you in this. So in that difficulty, guess what happened to me? I got to know God greater. Because whenever you go through difficulties, what does God always do? He, leveraged that, he leverages that struggle to lead you closer to him. So I'm, I'm heartbroken over a girl. I fall in love with God. I recognize God loves me. He's got a plan for me. I met Christy shortly after that. I remember being in, in, in Atlanta, trying to lead a church in Atlanta. It wasn't going all so great. And I, I remember God leveraging that so we, we would launch my church. I would have never gotten to know you had it not been for that struggle, that difficulty. So here's the thing. I love knowing that God is sovereign and I'm not. You can't mess up God's plan. You think you can, but you can't. You think you can blow it by making a mistake? God will take your mistake and use it to get you where you want, he wants you to go. God will leverage everything in your path to get you to where he wants you to go. But ultimately, it's not about always making the right decision or always having the right answer because God leverages all of that to lead us to get to know him. God wants you and I ultimately to be so close to him that you can weather anything, go through anything, work through anything, and be strong and secure in him. Let's pray. Lord, we want to just say today that we we do trust you. And today we're going to submit and trust in your plan. We're going to just say, God, today as, as, as followers here of yours, Today, we, we're going we're gonna to open our hearts and open our hands, and we're going to just say and commit to you, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust in your plan. God, we're going to trust in your process. We're just going to say yes. God, I pray that you'd help us to be more pliable for those of us that struggle with, like, some pride and some control stuff. And, God, I pray for those of us that struggle with, like, the fear side and we're scared to take the next step of faith. God, I pray that you would help us by being strong in you. God, I pray that you give us the gift of faith today. Give us hope. Give us the courage to step forward. 
God, we love you. I thank you for giving us this simple scripture today. God, I pray you'd leverage it to help us fall more in love with you and to live our lives surrendered and open-handed with you. God, so show us today the areas that you want us to step. God, show us today the areas you want us to grow. And God, help us to start now to say saying yes to you. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.